And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. I do have a take. Point of contention. Katie could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Welcome to Point of Contention. Five subjects, five minutes, five points of contention. Coming up on the show, Maury's back. Christmas basketball might be here. The Jazz sold for over a billy. Is the NBA really struggling? We've got Steve Nash's Nets, and we got draft gossip. I'm Zach Harper, the host of POC, Jade Hoy's producing, and in this corner, back from a vacation, maybe a staycation, the author of The Victory Machine, host of the House of Strauss podcast, the one and only Ethan Strauss, who has been stuck in the dark for 48 hours this week due to high wind and potential fires in the Bay Area. Ethan, how is life in the light of day now? Ah, I like having the electricity. Underrated electricity. Really into it. Uh, Very interesting. I know nothing about fire prevention. Not a thing, but it felt to me almost like... You know, Arnovitz gave me this analogy. They, It's like we picked up three fouls and they pulled us out of the game. You know, that's what was happening. <laughs> they didn't want any power lines falling down to cause a fire. So you had to, you know, they, they put us on the bench. I don't know if it was just, the right decision based on analytics, but uh, that's yeah. the choice they made. You just remove the power and, that, and that, that should keep the fires in check. All right. And then in this corner, Marcus Thompson is on vacation. So hailing from Flint, Michigan, the Pistons beat reporter for The Athletic. James Edwards 3.0. Speaking of 3.0, James, give me your rapid reaction to Black Thought's latest drop, Streams of Thought, Volume 3. I love it. It's it's my favorite of the three. Sometimes you just need a good talking to in rap form. And and Black Thought gives you gives his listeners a good talking to every time he uh he drops something and it, it was time and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So shout out to him, shout out to the roots. Thought is one of my five greatest MCs. He's the best. Yeah, no, he's, he's up there. Yeah, he's like you can throw him into the mix with anyone in any conversation. I'll take him. I'm with you. He's he's in there. Jade, start the clock. Speaking of thoughts, we got thoughts on take one. Breaking news, Daryl Morey is back. Take that for data. The former Houston Rockets general manager, analytics steward, Demo, Daryl Morey, is reportedly set to become the 76ers' new president of basketball operations. According to ESPN's conversations with the Sixers and Morey, that started shortly after his departure from Houston. This comes just a week after Doc Rivers was hired as, as the coach. According to ESPN, Doc and Maury have a strong relationship and history together. So, Ethan, I want you to put yourself in Ben Simmons' shoes for a moment. What's Ben's take on Daryl Maury, the, the guru of analytics, coming in and taking over? I think it's which guys he's going to choose. Hey, look, I don't expect him to make the choice immediately, but doesn't it feel a little bit like uh, – 
Monte Ellis, Steph Curry situation, the draw on what happened in my immediate era, uh, area, or the choice that was never made between CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. It just seems like one guy must go. And that's what I'm fixated on when Ben Simmons, I think that's what everybody's fixated on is which guy between Simmons and Embiid is a Daryl Morey guy. That will be the story of the Sixers going forward. Well, it does, it does make a lot of sense because you like shots at the basket and three-pointers. Well, Ben Simmons gets shots at the basket and he can kick it out for three-pointers, right? So mm-hmm. it could make sense. But but James, I want to ask you, how do you think Elton Brand feels in all this? Because wasn't he in head of uh, in, you know in charge of all this just like I don't know a day ago? Yeah, I wonder if Elton has his bags by the door. This you don't hire somebody like Daryl Morey to to not have massive say in the organization and the direction in which it goes. And I mean, you could go down the line. Elton's only been there for a short time in that position, but I mean. The Sixers have made some questionable decisions thus far, choosing. I mean, it seems like they chose Tobias over Jimmy Butler, letting J.J. Reddick go. Um, Elton Brand's uh, resume in Philly is not is not a uh, sparkling one. And when you have a chance to get a guy like Daryl Morey, um, I think you got to jump on it. Now, when it comes to Ben Simmons, I, I would give it time before I worry. I, I think, obviously, Morey's analytical approach is, is what he's known for. But I, I do think he has the ability to adapt in a – and kind of include the analytics and what he has. So I, I would be very curious to see how he approaches the first season um, in Philly in terms of roster construction and, and massive moves or lack thereof. Ethan, um, is this a shot at Elton Brand or is this more of a issue with Sixers ownerships group that, I don't know, they don't seem to be able to like pick a direction. Like we kill the Vec <laughs> in Sacramento for this kind of stuff all the time, but the Sixers are just like, like shiny objects left and right. Yeah. They don't really seem to trust any process, it would seem, that you would go from <laughs> hinky to calangelos, plural, to now back to hinky's mentor. Um, when you've already had Elton Brand, it just seems like, look, a squirrel. It really does. It doesn't seem like a, a stable vision is being executed. I completely agree with you. And it seems as though they've had those habits when it comes to how they spend and how they trade. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of patience there. And so that's another question I have on my mind is, is Maury brought in to maybe execute a longer-term plan? Are they trying to find a middle ground between win now, throw everything on the table now, 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 and try to tank, tank, tank? That's what I'm wondering, and that's why, look, I, I, th- I don't think it would be crazy if Maury traded one of these guys. Uh, perhaps it'd be to the Warriors. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, Whoa! Just, you know, you know, just saying. <laughs> Whoa! Just, saying, I, just, you know, just, just an idea. It's just an idea. That's it. And I think there has to be some fear there from ownership because you spent those years being so bad and then you finally get to a place where you're interesting, you have these pillars. And then what happens if you trade one of them and you traded the wrong one? Um, I I think there is fear to kind of do something firm and go and and pick a direction and and fight down that trail. Uh, But I also think that's part of the reason why they're stuck where they're at, where it's like I don't think anybody thinks they're going to win a title anytime soon, but they're going to float around it. Yeah, teams don't make the call often enough, I think, when it's obvious that you have to choose one guy to go forward with. And, hey, I'll admit, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll win a championship, and it's because they stuck with both. But I feel like I've seen this movie play out again and again. Uh, The Grizzlies roster had an obvious ceiling, and they were content to just win around 50 games and not make hard choices. The Blazers had a good team with McCollum and Damian Lillard, but they probably needed to choose one of those guys 
probably Lillard, uh, in order to make that jump, and they just wouldn't do it. It seems more often than not, they just don't take the risk that's probably necessary to get to that higher level. Maybe Maury will be the guy to show Joel Embiid, hey, you're not a good jump shooter. Get in the post. Mm. But then again, doesn't like the post. So we'll see. Uh, Maury doesn't like the post. So we'll see. All right. Take two. How about this? Uh, this is a safer thing for me to sing rather than what Jade asked me to sing. Deck the halls with basketballs of holly. Fala la la la. December 22nd or something. I don't know. Save the date. Maybe this week we learned the NBA is eyeing a quick turnaround for the start of the 2020-2021 season with a potential start date of December 22nd. Training camps would open on December 1st. The league had hopes of incorporating fans back into the arenas. That's clearly not going to happen. So according to the reports... The NBA strongly prefers to stay out of the bubble format and continues discussing travel and game schedules that would keep teams in a marketplace longer and play multiple games, kind of like what they do with Major League Baseball. But today on Wednesday, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports is reporting there's a faction of players who are pushing for a January 18th start date, which would be MLK Day, and free agency starting on December 1st. The Players Association is looking into the proposal of the NBA with all these things considered capitalizing on the annual Christmas Day games, which I can't imagine they want to give up. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's start with this. James, is all of this too soon? Yeah, I think so. Um, Selfishly, I think so, and unselfishly, I think so. I mean, we could all probably guess who the players are, or player, plural, (laughs) LeBron, and it it just makes sense, like – these guys just finished up a, a what is it three month tour in in one spot. Some guys have probably have no interest in picking up a basketball anytime soon, and then you're asking them to go from making some guys to make free agency decisions, uh, future decisions, and then jump right into camp in less than a month it, or about a month. And it, it just seems absurd to try to turn it around. I get it from the NBA's perspective why they would do that, but I, I just never thought the players would go for it. Um, in terms of me personally, as somebody that's been sitting around since March and Ethan, I guess for you too, cause you've covered, you're primarily around the Warriors who haven't played since March. I, I want it to be pushed back as, as far as possible to where I can get one-on-ones with players and go into locker rooms, wherever that happens, whether it's 2025, it, these zoom calls covering the Pistons do not sound like fun. It just does not sound like fun for a team that you have to get kind of creative to give to let anybody give a shit about the team you cover. So yeah, like push it back as far as you want. MLK, I'll I'll do it. I think that makes more sense than the proposed uh, prior to Christmas. I just can't wrap my mind around it. There's something, there's a mental block when it's the NBA finals are happening during the football season and the NBA season is going to start again during that same football season. That's just, I can't, (laughs) I can't process it. You know, in my mind, the first time I thought about it where I thought, Oh, you know, Christmas time. So that's during football season. So that's like next year's football. Wait, no, no, no. Ouch, ouch, ouch. That's this football season, which is already happening. It was happening when the NBA season was concluding. It is weird. It might be the right thing to do. I don't know when it comes to just recouping the TV money because I think that's what's behind a lot of this, that they went head-to-head with the NFL. It was a grand experiment. And they don't they don't want it with the NFL anymore. You know, maybe for the Christmas Day game, which the NFL won't play on, or maybe they'll have one game, I don't know. Um, but they want to recoup some of that and they want to get out of those NFL crosshairs when it comes to the playoffs. They do not want that matchup anymore. They lost it decisively. They got tripled up and doubled up whenever they were going head to head, even in the finals. So 
I think that's what's behind this, but it is a lot to it is a lot to process. I think the player suggestion of MLK makes more sense to me. There's just less whiplash to the whole thing. Well, yeah, and on on, on top of that, like I I do think that um, there would be a fear, James, of the NFL saying, "All right, we'll take Christmas," because they do have they have a <laughs> game on Christmas this year, right? It's a Friday. Yeah. Two years from now, Christmas is going to be on a Sunday. Good luck with that NBA. But yeah. I don't think like there is a little bit of the idea, James, that if they leave the door open for the NFL, the NFL is not going to say, "Well, we're playing fair here." Well, that's that's clearly the NBA's yeah. day. No, they'll just say, "No, we'll take that too." No, that's fair, and that's a good point. But then I would I would come back with. Well, what if LeBron load management load does load management on Christmas Day, the first game of the season, because he's oh, still recovering? Good point. James. So, so it's I just I just think it's too it's too quick of a turnaround for the marquee teams. Like the best teams in the league played late into the bubble, and your money making teams, aside from the Warriors, you're asking them to do a little too much. And I get it from the money's perspective and wanting to hold on to that Christmas Day, but if you go to January, you're still going to be the only sport. Well, I shouldn't say the NHL is looking to come back, but the biggest sport, it's going to be your it's your stage. And you can and you can have that runway where you're not going to have to run into football. College basketball will be going on. It'll be a little bit back to normal. But you I would just avoid football, especially like Ethan said, not once, but twice if you can in the same season. I mean, Ethan, uh, in in terms of the, the schedule, it would be a 72 game schedule to try to fit everything in. Could we be saying goodbye to the 82-game schedule moving forward? I think it depends on how well it does. But, I mean, we already ran this as a natural experiment after the lockout. And 66 games resulted in tremendous interest or at least corresponded with it. So I I believe that less is more. I don't necessarily know if they're going to take it upon them. What if they did a Christmas Day game with only the teams that weren't in the bubble, the Elite Eight, as John Hollinger called it. Um, and you're not going to have the marquee matchups aside from maybe the Warriors because, of course, these are the teams that are less so. Uh, you know, these are the lottery teams, effectively. But maybe it'll be like like the way a track is set up with the 200 meters, where sure. you, you kind of you, you have that setup. You have those lanes that are out ahead, you know, and it looks like they're more ahead, and it's it, it all kind of it all evens out eventually. Maybe it'll be like that, and some of the teams that missed out on the bubble and the delete eight, they'll get that Christmas Day game and maybe a few other dates, bank those days, and then the rest of the league joins up in January. I'm just spitballing here. Do you hate me? what do you, do you I think no I think here's the here's the move right Cavs Knicks Wolves Pistons except yeah. one star from all the good teams right like LeBron and Anthony Davis <laughs> Giannis, James Harden they get to tag in for the fourth quarter of any of those games Ooh. and we don't find out where they're going until that fourth quarter do it now like WWE style with the, the yeah. like Royal Rumble the countdown yes. number 30 who runs up oh, that'd, be this, you know, that'd be sick this is a great this is a great question is okay if you're doing the delete eight Christmas day idea what are the how do you make chicken salad out of this chicken shit what are the best matchups for these uh, for these bad teams there aren't any the Warriors so we play three teams it. at once yeah that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's all it is that's all it is. Have you Which seen the teams that didn't go? Yeah. What, what are the Elite Eight teams again? Like, what are they again? I'm trying to remember. Minnesota, Cleveland, Charlotte, Detroit, the Knicks, uh, the Warriors, obviously, Atlanta, and I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, 
I think you do Warriors, right? Warriors, Hawks for for you know for Charlotte or Steph. I said Charlotte, Chicago, Chicago. There you go. Ooh, yeah. okay, you got a big market there. Big market in Chicago. Big so market, you- dog shit team. <laughs> All right, <laughs> take three. Let's just do Bulls Wizards then. Or I Warriors. want a listener to send us the best matchups for Delete Eight Christmas Day. I yeah, that's, that's something that that's something that wouldn't sell. But here's what will sell: <laughs> the Utah Jazz going once. Going twice, sold to the man from Silicon Valley. After 35 years at the helm, Gail Miller and the Miller family are selling the jazz to 40-year-old Ryan Smith, the founder of Utah-based cloud computing company Qualtrics. Qualtrics kind of sounds like like the name of an evil company in some, uh, some new action movie. Now, evidently, my cycloptic colleague informs me that that can't be done. Qualtrics is from Smith and his brother Jared started the software company in their parents' basement and sold recently for $8 billion. That's million with a B. <laughs> right. Billion? Qualtrics specializes in customer survey feedback analysis, whatever the fuck that means. The family, or the Miller family purchased the majority ownership for $29.5 million in the 85-86 season. It's easy to say it was worth it considering they sold for $1.66 billion. So Ethan, Billions? is a $1.66 billion deal really what the Jazz are worth if they're purchased by a multi-billionaire? Right. Um, I think it's supply and demand, and it's why it's good to be in the sports business because regardless of how the NBA is doing or whatever losses it's suffering, the amount of teams by and large doesn't go up, but the amount of billionaires in the world goes up. So you only have 30 of these teams. It's this luxury item. It's bragging rights. And so it almost doesn't matter what's going on with the internals. It just gets more and more and more expensive to purchase. Um, so developers, 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 developers. I think that's the dynamic that you're seeing and anybody trying to draw conclusions about how the NBA is doing from the team sale I think is missing how these things go although they are correctly intuiting that there's some heads I win tails you lose when it comes to being in the sports business I was talking to uh, an owner recently not Blake Hub, somebody else from another team and you know he started explaining the fundamentals and the economics to me and I said uh, I said man it seems like it's really good to be in the sports business and to which he replied, fuck yeah, baby. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! <laughs> it's like it's like printing money. <laughs> it's like there yeah. is no there is no gravity. Everything just results in, in more money made. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah, James, this this feels I mean, if a small market like the Jazz, which granted, a very successful franchise in their time, but a small market like the Jazz can go for 1.6 billion. My God, the values of these teams have just gone skyrocketing. What do you think the Lakers would bring back if the Bus family sold it right now? <laughs> six? Yeah, I was going to say six or five. I, I think I think more than that. You think wow. so? Wow. Yeah, I think like eight. Because the Knicks were like proposed that like it, the idea was, hey, if James Dolan was offered $10 billion for the Knicks, would he sell? And, I, and the idea was kind of like, we're not sure. I think the Lakers are, are approaching that. I have Like when is – like enough enough so the bus family bought the lakers for how much wasn't it like like pennies yeah i think it was there was the thimble thrown in yeah uh you know jackie a few moon's headband that were, yeah a few of those beads they used to buy manhattan um like you know, there's uh it was a different time at a point yeah so at a point i don't give a shit about these rings 
I don't give a shit about the this legacy. Cash me in. Like cash me in right now. Like that number would be astronomical. And yeah, good thing I'm not if I ran a lot of things, a lot of things would be done differently. Um mm. if I ran the Lakers, you I'd be in a lair under the Atlantic Ocean. Just not doing a damn thing, man. You, you're going to catch me at basketball games? No, come on. You got to sell that. Ethan, at what point does Bezos just buy the league? <laughs> oh, man. I, I I wonder about that. I don't know if he's into sports. Do we have any Why indication? Why hasn't he that, bought a team, though? Do we have any indication that he cares about sports? I, I, I just haven't seen that indication. Uh, that might be what it comes down to. Are you into sports or are you not into sports? If he was into it, he could buy a few teams, even though that's not allowed. But he could probably bribe uh, the people who needed bribing to the point where he could do it. I mean, theoretically, he has enough bank to buy every NBA team, which is yeah. a staggering thing. Um, but then again, so does Steve Ballmer. Uh, you'll just have to settle for the Clippers, unfortunately. James, the the Pistons aren't going to sell anytime soon, right? Gores is locked in. Yeah, that's all. That's what I, we're all led to believe. I, yeah, I don't. I think if he was going to sell by now, or if he was going to sell, he probably would have done it by now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see them selling. Um, I think he thoroughly enjoys owning a team. He's from Michigan. He's from Flint. Shout out to Flint. Um, and yeah, he just. I think he's very much enjoying the luxuries and title that comes with being an nba owner where else can you throw t-shirts at people oh man i'm telling you there, there's this reacher preacher or no the the bleacher reacher pro which is a t-shirt cannon um which is about 1800 dollars, and it can fire i believe a t-shirt like 400 feet i just want one so i can walk around town just shooting t-shirts at people is this an amazon yeah. thing like can you get this no it's like through their actual site oh okay if they want to sponsor the podcast hit up the athletic i want one of these things for free if i can i don't <laughs> I know like, if that's ethical i like the the what is it a machine gun a tommy gun oh uh, the gatling gun the gatling gun yeah, that the, the gatling uh, san antonio coyote uses yeah. that's what i'm into it's a it's a yeah i mean that's eventually the I'm really that's what i'm really into i'm really into going to a basketball game and having a deranged man-sized coyote with wild eyes fire a gatling gun of <laughs> that t-shirts in my direction he's creepy that coyote has meth eyes yeah <laughs> yes. like we know that coyote has meth eyes and um yeah you've i've always wanted to shoot a, a t-shirt with like the local backing of a of a you know a casino from from an hour and a half away with his yes. name on the back because that's what all these t-shirts have it's like you know clip show or something and then on the back it's you know where your dreams whatever, come Caliente Casino Resort. Yeah. I'm looking at these eyes of the San Antonio Coyote, and it's uh, it's pretty Meth incredible. Eyes. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah, got like 100%. a little little kind of mullet deal. I mean, this does not look like any coyote I've ever seen. I have to yeah, say, yeah, the eyes look like if the Incredible Hulk had a migraine. Yeah, <laughs> that's what also, those eyes look like. Also, always a strange look with the mascot when it's pantsless. I don't know if you guys are looking at this, but love it's just that. just a jersey, yeah. just a jersey. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, it's it's always why was this the choice it can't wear shorts yeah what's up with that but i guess it's necessary for the tail to be showing on the other side you got to show the tail you got to show the tail <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Take four, the Brooklyn Revolution. Not a bad name, huh, guys? While Kevin Durant was busy trolling trolls on Twitter Tuesday, the Nets held a town hall meeting with new coach Steve Nash, who talked about building the Nets' culture into the future. Nash said, We're playing for a championship. You know, uh, I don't want to say that it, anything less than a championship is not a success because you never know what happens in life. He also backed up comments made by Kyrie Irving that this team will be run collaboratively, a.k.a. anyone can be the coach. Speaking of coaches, Nets also hired Nash's former teammate, Amari Stoudemire, as an assistant coach this past week. So, James, going back to that Steve Nash quote, are the Nets playing for a championship or not? And are the expectations for this team too high considering we don't know what KD is going to look like yet? Yeah, I mean, I I think the goal obviously should be championship. Are the expectations high? No. Like they have KD and Kyrie and Karis LeVert, and we'll see what happens with Spencer Dinwiddie. I I like that team. I, I don't know if they do it again. We don't know what KD is going to look like. Uh, we don't know how Kyrie's going to coach because he sounds like he's the coach of the team. We don't need somebody to come in and put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing and change up the wheel and, yo, you guys need to start doing this. And we start running on the first day of practice. It's just like, no. <laughs> um, and I don't know if where Kyrie's at in terms of playing with a star like Kevin Durant, sharing a backcourt with guys like Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, two guys who are better with the ball in their hands. Um, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to love this mesh of talent as much as it looks as good as it looks on paper. Um, and I just, yeah, Kyrie just seems like too much for me. Um, like, just, I don't mind somebody saying it's going to be a collaborative effort, but don't let it like it's player empowerment. I get, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but like, I don't want my point guard saying that, like, yeah, this team's going to be run by all of us. Like, We don't need somebody to come in and put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing. And, let the coach say that. I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way anytime Kyrie speaks. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. I'm sorry. That's too much. I hope he doesn't listen to this. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. I don't know if he's as plugged in in the way that KD is. He's, no. he's just on a different wavelength as far as what annoys him and upsets him. You don't see much of him online, actually. Uh, which Ethan, he's got a, they've got a thing with his, his signature shoe this, the, with this latest release that's just, it's a mystery box. You don't know which colorway you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing that's happening on the sneakers app. <laughs> he, is the, he is the Kanye West of the NBA, where it's like, and as sneakers aside, because that's definitely a stunt Kanye would pull. But like, it feels like he's been coddled his whole life and people have just fed into him and made him feel like the smartest guy in the room to the point now where he can just say anything and it's just so. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. No, not really. It's that's not that's not uh, what it is. I, I want to <laughs> like Kyrie. Like I don't know him, so like I might like him. But like I, I, he I just see, does I, not. I, I, yeah, I, don't I know. haven't had power for a few days, so I didn't know about the mystery box. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I'm reading straight from the sneakers app. 
One of the most creative athletes in the game, Kyrie Irving orchestrates plays and arranges moves that leave defenders guessing. On 11-11, four creatively, or creativity-inspired colorways of the Kyrie 7 will drop, mystery box style, via sneakers, like anyone watching one of Kyrie's mind-bending dribble packages, before he inexplicably finds his way to the bucket... Select members who have participated in past Kyrie launches via sneakers will have a chance to purchase a pair of limited edition edition sneakers. Members who successfully place an order won't know which of the four limited edition colorways they've unlocked until they receive their mystery box and open it. Can you imagine just going to a car lot and they go, hey, what about the option where you don't even know what color car we're choosing for you? you know? No, not really. It's, that's not that's not what it is. If I spend $200 and I get some sin- Sinbad Kyrie fours. I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> like it just has Sinbad on the back. Like just because Kyrie likes Sinbad, like I'll lose. Wait, my are we mind. talking about Sinbad, the literary character or the comedian? The comedian. <laughs> okay. I could I, I wear that. I, I would wear that shoe. I, I, I want some Patrick Ewing, some Patrick Ewing shoes with Sinbad's face on them. <laughs> just to have people ask me questions. What was the movie? House Guest. He played basketball on that. He did. That's a good movie. Yeah. That's a good bad movie. movie. Yeah. What's what's Sinbad up to these days? Anybody know? comedy? Counting checks. Yeah, comedy. Yeah, man. he's doing comedy, man. Wow. He was touring before the pandemic. He wow. was. Wow. We only make we, we only make new comedians. I don't understand. I mean, they all have podcasts. I don't understand how we can have so many comedians, but all the power to them. I wish them well. I want them to do well. I just it, the problem is I don't even need their jokes anymore because the surprise Kyrie show has saved me for the next few months. <laughs> so Ethan, what are we making the Nets? Oh man, it is quite the mystery box. I'll tell you. It's uh, if you're a Nets fan, you don't know what you're gonna get, but. I'm into it. I am. I am very much into it. And I, I submit an application because they didn't totally get in on the bubble. I feel like they should be on our, uh, you know, our idea for the Christmas Day slate. You know, oh, we got a factor. Like right. Yeah, a little yeah, loophole. Sure. They didn't really play in the bubble. They didn't really play. So yeah. I think they got to be added to the mix because once we have Nets Warriors Christmas Day, now we're cooking with gas. You know, now now we got oh, something that's going. That's good. Yeah, like that's that. a good call. Would Durant um, even be ready though? Like, I don't know where he's at. Like, if they started before Christmas, do you think he'd even play? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, they were answering it, questions about him coming back to the bubble. Like, I think he's yeah, you're right. Ready. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, yeah they yeah, were. People, yeah. people would watch that. I'm just saying, people would watch it. Yeah. I can't believe Kyrie Irving is force gumping this mystery box. Like, he's really <laughs> turned a shoebox into a box of chocolates. This is amazing. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right. Take five. A random selection of sequence. Get your big board out with the NBA draft just three weeks away. There are a lot of questions on what teams will do. Trade up, trade down, take a chance, trade for certainty. In fact, maybe you'll even read something from one Zach Harper on The Athletic on Thursday about some burning questions. Ethan, you wrote a very interesting article on the prospect Denny Avdija. Is that how you say his name? Sure. Is it obvious? (laughs) Sure, that too. Who, according to your article, blew the Warriors away. You wrote, not only did he perform well in the workouts, but Warriors officials were blown away after meeting with him. The universal takeaway was that he's a great kid with an immense work ethic. But Marcus Thompson also reported that in the workouts for Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman, that they were, quote-unquote, beasts. So, Ethan... Is this a sign that the Warriors are prepared to trade down in the draft, or is something else going on here? I think they're just easily impressed, it seems. I mean, it's every single prospect <laughs> is amazing to them. And uh, look, my, my money's on Wiseman. That's just nobody's told me that's how it's going. It just seems like the most logical selection. But uh, Denny is an interesting one. I might be writing a bit on him going forward. And obviously, uh, there are some things he does that would appeal to one Steve Kerr. And I just think it's doing due diligence, having these workouts, seeing these guys. And if anything, it's an indicator that the Warriors have – perhaps a higher chance at keeping this pick than people might assume that they're investing so much in it that they're doing the research shows that they might be trying to have a building block block going forward and you're going to have to you're going to have to blow them away to use that term again mm. if you want to trade for that pick so that's my I, read on the situation i've decided that i think the the wolves should draft james wiseman and just go two bigs, move Cat to the four, mm. and just hope that it works. Yeah, and it I probably like won't because it's the Wolves. But I just <laughs> say, why the fuck not? You got two two incredibly skilled big men with our great athletes. Let's see if they can figure it out. Um, James, the Pistons have been uh, linked to to Isaac Okoro. Um, according to that was Sam Vecini in his mock draft a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I think uh, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had them taking. Uh, I think Tyrese, Halliburton. Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. What do you think the Pistons are going to do? Do you think they would try to trade up or are they just, you know, Troy Weaver's just settling in at seven and we'll see what happens. Um, I think they would try to trade up. The, the thing is, I don't know if they have the assets to trade up. I mean, you'd have to trade 
for sure probably Luke Kennard to do so, and I don't know if it's worth it in this draft. Um, then once you get past that, I don't know if anybody else is appealing enough to to do that deal. Um, but I mean, I, I think for sure they're going to go guard. They need this is a, a a league where perimeter playmaking is at a premium. All the best teams in the league, uh, I guess, kind of except all well, the Lakers have Le- LeBron is a guard. Um, they have playmakers. They have multiple ball handlers. The Pistons need more ball handlers. They need more perimeter shot creation. So I think it is going to either be Killian Hayes, who I think he has a little bit more uh, in his bag when it comes to create self-creation and creating his own shot with side steps and step backs than Tyrese Halliburton. But I think Tyrese Halliburton is a guy that can play in multiple lineups. He can play alongside a Derrick Rose or Blake Griffin because he doesn't need the ball. He shot like 40 some percent from three in both years. Um, so I, I think it's going to be one of those two. Uh, I know they've been talking when it, we kind of get to hear some stuff. It, they, they've been working out a lot of guards. I just think that's without certain or for certain that they're, that's the way they're going to go. It just makes too much logical sense. Ethan, where are we in a draft where the teams with the first and second pick don't seem interested in making the first or second pick? Oh, I think second pick's a good one to have. You just want somebody to go first. I think the Warriors lucked out getting second. You don't want to make that first selection in a draft where you have no idea who might be uh, who might be the number one pick. That's too much pressure. But to your question, I think it indicates that there's no hierarchy, which is a word that I'm not even sure I can pronounce correctly. Um, this isn't one of those drafts with a Zion um, or even a John Morant. And it might be uh, a draft that returns a lot in terms of talent because that often happens, but it's just not a predictable draft by any stretch. It's, I think, maybe the least predictable draft I can remember in some time, Um, maybe since the Anthony Bennett draft, at least. Yeah, you definitely didn't want to go first in that one. Nope. And the Warriors Warriors love every player in this shitty draft, so I don't understand. Well, they, they haven't seen like a good draftable player in a long time. So <laughs> it's, uh, they've got draft goggles right now. <laughs> so, all right. Do we think that let's say let's say the Hornets trade up to number one and take Wiseman. Then what do the Warriors do? Wow. Yeah, they're put to a decision. Um, that gets very interesting because you almost wonder, do you change plans? Because if you think that Wiseman is the guy who fits most logically in what the Warriors are doing, maybe you shift your mentality to, okay, it's time to get trade value. What's the easiest path to getting trade value? Hmm, maybe it's getting LaMelo. You know, maybe yeah. it's having a few Ooh. weeks of LaMelo. Maybe a few weeks of LaMelo propped up, flanked by the shooting of Steph and Clay, because he's the guy where it could become a disaster. But if he really pops, now we're talking about brand name recognition combined with the talent. And so maybe that's how you shift it. That's just that's just me. Me thinking on my feet. No, I think I think that's a good point. What I've never really got with the wise men of the Warriors kind of hype. He fits theoretically the player he for, for is like forty eight percent true shooting in Australia. Is that the sorry? Is, is that <laughs> no, no, I meant hold on. Did I say ball? I meant Wiseman. Wise, oh, sorry, yeah. No, you're I, fine. Me, so, yeah, yeah. No, I thought I my bad if I said ball. Wiseman is. I, I probably I'm a bad listener. I, I, <laughs> does anybody know? Does anybody know what happened in the last? He said. Sentence? He said. He said Wiseman. Okay. Oh, he said it God. right. You oh, are a bad God. listener. I'm okay. So stupid. No, you're so fine. Stupid. 
Wiseman. But that would be news to if you if we knew that James Wiseman was playing in Australia secretly and shot forty eight percent true shooting. That's good. That's good information. That would be very good. Yeah, that's very good. good He's no longer a mystery box if that's the case. Um, Wiseman theoretically fits what the Warriors need. My argument would be there is a window, and Wiseman doesn't doesn't appear to be prepared to go for what the Warriors need to go for in that window. So if I were them, I would take whoever you think is going to get you the best in a trade, like you just said with LaMelo. If that's who you think, if you showcase him and you can flip him for a piece that's going to help you in this window, then go ahead and do that. I, I get Wiseman, the, the, the figure that he is, makes sense in the Warriors lineup. He doesn't make sense in terms of the window that the Warriors have. You could throw him out there for 50 games. Is he going to be good? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like he played three college yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Then you start thinking about this timeline, this hypothetical timeline. Right. Is the timeline for the Sixers to build with some youth and to get Wiseman and some other stuff and then Embiid to come to the Warriors. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Just I saying. love that. Wow. All right. Embiid to the Warriors. Yeah. I it. Yeah, Maury, you buy yourself a little time because you're not you're not rebuilding like Kinky, but it's a little bit of a rebuild. So don't don't fire me if it doesn't work out in the first couple of years. You just reset the clock a little bit when you get Wiseman and Simmons as your next guy. And really, maybe a Wiseman pick and roll type center as opposed to a post up guy fits the Maury mold. And then the Warriors get somebody who's more in line with their timeline. You know, as is, maybe I'm writing this. I'm writing this. Do you, you think know? I'm, I'm writing, <laughs> you're this. writing this as you speak? <laughs> As I speak, as I speak, I'm writing this. Do you think Maury would help the Warriors? I don't think Maury has any interest in helping the Warriors, but if it buys him more job security, then it buys him more job security. More job security? He just signed a five-year deal. (laughs) You're right. That is some good job security. (laughs) That's good job security. What does he care? He's been in the job for four (laughs) hours. Please, please fire me. There could just be – I don't know. I don't know – there's there's petty people in this world. I don't know if Daryl Morey is, but I mean that is the team that he cannot I, get past. I, it is. I mean, just in the times I've talked to him, he doesn't. And it's talked to him. I'm not a good listener, as we've established. I haven't been <laughs> yeah, clearly. Receiving Who knows any what he said to Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> just, just yell at him. Just, just yell at him. Um, I I don't think he holds on to the bitterness i think it's been hard coming up short um all of those times but i don't at least you know he could have said things he could have been bitter when i interviewed him for my book but it seemed like he was fairly um what's the word magnanimous uh towards the warriors and what they they had accomplished so i don't i don't know if i'm picking up on that bitterness from him i do love the idea now the oklahoma no, presti sorry <laughs> <laughs> i do love the idea that uh daryl Morey gave Ethan like the gem of all gems regarding James Harden and the building of the Rockets and everything. But Ethan didn't hear it because he was just waiting to yell. They're all fucking six six, Daryl, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> twenty seven miss threes. Twenty seven miss threes. <laughs> That's gonna one. do it for this episode of the Athletic NBA show. Point of Contention edition. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Make sure you get yourself a deal to subscribe to The Athletic. Catch the best coverage of the NBA. I'll just say uh, all of sports. 
oh, that football in the NFL, that football in the UK, baseball, they got they got COVID players kissing people and celebrating championships <laughs> with everybody. You can read all about it, plus everything leading up to the NBA draft right on theathletic.com. Leave a review, rate it, five star, all that stuff on whatever podcast platform that you listen to this on. And make sure you check out Ethan's work, check out Jane's work, check out my work, and check out the rest of the podcast at The Athletic. This is Point of Contention. Cannot wait to recklessly speculate about it.